Romans chapter 1, if you'll stand with us tonight, and verse number 14. The Lord gave me this message yesterday, and uh, I didn't think I'd preach it here, but I just feel like the Lord impressed me while the choir was singing. Verse number 14, Paul said, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you, God, to speak to us and speak through us tonight. Lord, we need a fresh touch, a fresh anointing. And Lord, I, I want to be obedient to what you would have me to do tonight. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would work on all of our hearts, this preacher included. Help us, God, to have an ear to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. And God, I pray that we'll receive with meekness the engrafted word. And God, may you be praised and glorified and honored in all that will be said and done. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice in these three verses that we have read tonight that the Apostle Paul uses uh, the phrase, and you'll notice it in verse number 14, he uses this phrase, I am. And it's interesting tonight because Paul uses that little phrase, I am, in all three verses that we have read. You'll notice with me in verse number 14, he says, I am debtor. And then in verse number 15, he says, I am ready. And then in verse number 16, he says, I am not ashamed. And as Paul is speaking about that little phrase and using that phrase there, he uses it the first time uh, to tell us or to uh, to teach us that uh, concerning his debt to the Gentiles. He said, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Now Paul uh, says that he is a debtor and he uses this phrase here concerning his debt to the Gentiles, the Greeks and the barbarians. I, I want to just simply point out that the difference between the Greeks and the barbarians is the Greeks were those that were of the culture and the barbarians would be those that would be everybody else, all the other Gentiles. And Paul says here, I am a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Now, the question in my mind is, Paul, why do you feel like that you're a debtor uh, to the Greeks and the barbarians? The reason for that is because Paul realized uh, that he had something that they needed, amen? And that something was the gospel. And friend, Paul said, I'm a debtor to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, the Barbarians, because I've got what they need. I have the gospel. And can I tell you tonight, you and I that are saved by the grace of God and on a King James Bible, we don't owe the world an explanation as to why we live the way we live and do the way we do, but we do owe the world the gospel tonight, amen? And we are a debtor to a lost and a dying world. And so he uses this phrase concerning his debt to the Gentiles. Then he uses this phrase here concerning his desire to go. Notice what he said in verse number 15. He said, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul says, I am not only a debtor to the Gentiles, but he says, I am ready to go. Paul, why are you ready to go? I notice in verse number 15 that Paul is ready to go because he has a burden that's within him. He said, so as much as in me is, amen. Paul, what's in you? He said, I've got the gospel in me. 
And he said, it's a burden on my heart and it's a burden in my soul. Amen. I'm telling you, if you're saved by the grace of God, we ought to be ready to preach the gospel. We ought to have a burden within us. I mean, we need a burden. We need a broken heart. We need a compassion for sinners. We need a tear in our eye for those that are dying and going to hell. And so Paul says, I'm ready because there's a burden within me. But then he says, I'm ready because there's boldness on me. Notice what he said. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Amen. Now, it didn't matter to Paul who it was and where it was and what the conditions was. There's one thing about Paul tonight that you'll note is that Paul was always ready to take every opportunity he ever had to preach the gospel. Amen. And the reason for that was because he prayed for boldness and Paul was bold when it came to the gospel. Amen. I think we ought to be bold to preach the gospel. Isn't that right? We ought to witness to everyone that we come in contact with. I remember Brother James Crumpton and Sister Crumpton that years ago everywhere they went if they went to McDonald's or they went to a restaurant or if they went into a local place of business before they ever did their business you know what they would do? They would walk around and they would give every individual in that facility a gospel track. They would just give them that track and ask them to read it and tell them that Jesus loves them and then they would go place their order or they would go do their business. You know why that is? Because they had a burden within them and they had boldness on them but then I notice this here that Paul had a battle before him. Notice what he said in verse 15. He said I'm ready to preach the gospel. Now watch this to you that are at Rome also. You see friend to go to Rome and preach the gospel in Paul's day meant that it may cost you your life. Amen. When you think about it it was the Romans that crucified Jesus. They put Christ on the cross, that Roman crucifixion. I I know that, uh, my friend, that uh, when you think about the the cruelty of the Roman Empire, the power of the Roman Empire, but yet Paul said, I'm ready to go. It may cost me my life. Uh, It may cost me, what. uh, uh, listen, what they may do to me, but Paul said, I'm bold. Uh, And Paul said, I know there's a battle in front of me, but Paul said, I am ready. And he said that I am debtor. And then it speaks of his dedication to the gospel in verse number 6. He said, for I am not ashamed, amen, of the gospel. You know, there's a lot of people that's ashamed of the gospel tonight. But if you're saved and you're right with God, there ought to be a dedication to that old story. Thank God for the old story that never grows old, that Jesus died and saved my soul. I'm thankful for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, A pastor asked me yesterday, he said, are you going to preach on the resurrection Sunday? I said, I got absolutely no idea what I'm preaching on on Sunday. I may preach on the resurrection and I may preach on hell. Amen. I just preach whatever God tells me. I'm not a calendar preacher. I mean, I'm not against preaching. Sometimes I'll preach on resurrection on Easter. Sometimes Sometimes I'll preach on a Christmas time at Christmas time, but I don't let the calendar dictate what God tells me to preach because the truth is we celebrate the resurrection every day and Sunday in and Sunday out for every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday for the child of God. Amen. And what I'm saying here is that Paul was dedicated to the gospel. Why? Because he had a secure stand. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, there's a lot of things tonight I'm ashamed of. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. 
I'm not ashamed to be identified as a Christian. I'm not ashamed to raise my hand and say amen to the truth of the word of God. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not a Mormon. I'm not a Jehovah false witness tonight. I'm not a Catholic amen. I make no apologies about that. I'm glad, thank God, I've been washed in the blood. I've been born again. And I praise God for this old Bible. And I praise God for the King James word of God. I'm thankful tonight for the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ. It's a secure stand. Amen. You see, they can debate about Christ all they want to. But I stand secure in what I believe because it's in the pages of God's Word. Not only was he dedicated to the gospel because of a secure stand, but because of spiritual strength. He said, for it is the power of God. You know why we ought to be ready to preach the gospel? It's the power of God tonight. There's strength in the gospel. Amen. The gospel ought to thrill our souls. You say, well, preacher, I'm already saved. What should the the gospel do uh, for me? I want to tell you, if you're saved tonight, you ought to enjoy the gospel. Amen. There was a time when I heard the gospel I didn't enjoy it because I was lost in my sin. But now when I hear a preacher preach on the gospel, when he talks about the death, the burial, the resurrection, I'm telling you, it flutters my soul to think uh, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everything everlasting life. I mean it encourages me to know that for God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Amen. I'm glad the Bible says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't it good to know and to hear the gospel. Amen. Even on a Wednesday night, it's good to hear the gospel. Amen. It gave him several souls. Notice what he said. He said for it to everyone that believeth and to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I think Calvinists probably have a hard time with that verse. To everyone that believeth. Amen. I want to tell you, if you want to be saved, you can be saved. Amen. I had a lady say to me one time, she said, well, I don't know if I've crossed God's deadline. I said, do you want to be saved? She said, oh, I have a great desire to be saved. I want to be saved. I said, you've not crossed God's deadline because when you cross a deadline, friend, and your day of visitation is over with, your conscience is seared with a hot iron. You have no guilt. You have no conscience. You have no desire. You can preach the gospel to a man, listen, who is a reprobate. He'll never repent. He'll never have a desire to get right with God but if you want to be saved then I got good news for you you can be saved amen for he said he that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast him out now here's the question tonight I'll give you a few thoughts and be done on is why Paul was ready to preach the gospel I'm preaching on why Paul was ready to preach the gospel he said for I am ready to preach the gospel I want to ask you a question tonight are you ready to preach the gospel. You say, but I'm not a preacher. Paul's not necessarily highlighting the calling or the office of a preacher. But he's talking about the ability to share the gospel message with others. The Bible said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Friend, it's not the great option tonight. It's the great commission. Amen. We've all been commissioned to go out and to share the gospel and tell others about Jesus Christ. Those that we come in contact with. Those that we work around. Those that you may go to school with. We ought to be a light in, front, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. But why was Paul ready to preach the gospel? I want to say number one tonight. He was ready to preach the gospel because of his faithfulness to the Savior. Amen. 
Amen. In verse number one, Paul said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separate unto the gospel of God, which he hath promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which hath made of the, which was made of the seed of David according to, to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Now what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying in these first seven verses, I want to preach the gospel because of my faithfulness, my loyalty, my allegiance to my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He had a desire to preach the gospel simply because he loved Jesus and he wanted to be faithful to him. Amen. I think that ought to motivate us tonight. I mean, you may preach the gospel and nobody gets saved. You may preach the gospel and people may run you off. You may preach the gospel and they may cuss you out. But I tell you, you ought to still preach the gospel because I'm not preaching it just because of results, but I'm preaching it because he's been faithful to me and I want to be faithful unto him tonight. Amen. Paul preached it because of his faithfulness to the Savior. He preached it because of his fellowship with the saints. Notice what he said in verse number nine. He said, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. You see, Paul wanted to preach the gospel not only because of his faithfulness to the Savior, but because of his fellowship with the saints. You see, Paul had been changed, but Paul had seen what the gospel had done unto others. And Paul loved the church because he seen how the gospel had changed people's lives and brought them into the house of God. Isn't it amazing whenever God saves somebody and brings them into church? What a blessing, what an encouragement that is when you see some old sinner get born in the family of God and then they join the church and they get baptized and they become a part of our family and they become a blessing to us and we know what they used to be but we know what they are now and we have fellowship with those that we would have never had fellowship with before. Hey friend, that ought to make us all want to preach the gospel because it changes the lives of people. Amen. It turns a sinner into a saint. It takes someone that's on the road to hell and it puts them on the road to heaven. Amen. It brings them out of nothing and it puts them into everything. Amen. It takes them off of dope and it puts them on hope. Amen. It brings them out of the mire and it sticks them in the choir. Amen. That ought to make us want to preach the gospel because it changes the lives of those around us. You know, it's amazing when you meet people that are saved and then you find out through their testimony how they used to live the kind of person they used to be. And in our minds, because we didn't know them before that, we cannot phantom them being that type of person. Because we know the new person, the new creature in Christ. And friend, that fellowship, there is no other fellowship like fellowship with the people of God. And you mark it down, when you get to the place in your life, if you're saved and you don't want to have fellowship with the saints of God, something is desperately wrong in your life. Amen? Because the gospel is the common denominator that brings us all together. I want to say tonight, he wanted to preach the gospel, not only because of his faithfulness to the Savior, his fellowship with the saints, but because of his fulfillment in service. Paul said in verse number 14, or verse 15, so as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you, notice this, that are at Rome 
also. The question in my mind is, Paul, if it seems like if there was any place you would not want to go, it would be Rome. Rome was a very dangerous place. They would behead people. They would feed them to wild beasts. They would dip them in oil and set them on fire. So many cruelties that the Roman Empire would, would, would uh, enhance upon those that named the name of Christ. But yet that's the very place that Paul is setting out to go to. And you say, preacher, why would a man want to do that? Because it was the will of God for his life. And Paul knew that it was fulfillment in service to be where God wanted him to be at. And I want to tell you tonight, in the center of God's will, it's the most blessed place that you're ever going to be, sir. Serving Jesus and living for God will always bring a happy life. You young people hear me. As long as you're in the center of God's will and serving God, you'll, those are the best days of your life. But if you ever get out of God's will, your life will spin out of control. Things will go from bad to worse. And what may look so good is not good. But being in God's will and living for Christ, that's the most blessed life you can ever have. You know, I'd rather be broke and be in God's will. Has to have great riches tonight. And not be in the will of God. Money, fame, fortune, pleasures, things of this world, they can never satisfy. They can never bring any lasting results but serving God, whether it be in the dark jungles of Africa or behind the Iron Curtain or the red, uh, the red Wall of China, wherever that be at tonight, being in God's will is the happiest place on planet Earth, serving God and living for God, the fulfillment of service, being able to pillow your head at night and know that you please God and you did what God wanted you to do. That is, that is the most peace that you'll ever have in your life. I want to tell you this tonight. Not everybody can be a missionary. We need missionaries. We're praying, but not everybody can be a missionary. Not everybody can be an evangelist. Had a young man ask me or talk to me a while back about that. He said, I, he said, I want to be an evangelist. I said, boy, you better pray about that. Amen. He said, what's wrong with that? I said, you ever heard of the phrase prophet chambers? I think everybody prays about evangelism ought to stay in prophet's chambers for about a month and then if they ain't called, they ain't going, friend. Amen. I'm talking about, friend, listen, it doesn't matter pastoring, whatever it is, or, or just, I mean, many of you, uh, you, you work a job, and you, and you say, well, I, I'm not this, and I'm not that. I'm going to tell you something. If you work a job, and you earn a paycheck, and you're raising a family, and you're bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and you're the dad that you're supposed to be, and you're the homemaker and the mother that you're supposed to be, if that is God's will for your life, that's as important as going to the Ivory Coast and preaching the gospel to the natives. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, listen, be in God's will. Whatever the will of God is for your life. Get in the middle of it and fulfill the will of God for your life. Preaching the gospel, he said, is a fulfillment in service. Another reason was because of the faith of the saints. Look at verse number 17. Paul said, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Paul said, You know why I want to preach the gospel? Because it's how the just live. They live by faith. You know where faith came from? It came here. The Bible said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you know where our faith was first placed at? It was placed in the gospel. Now we may trust God for a lot of other things in our life, but it all has to begin with salvation. You can't get the cart before the horse. 
You can't say, well, I, and a lot of people know how to talk about spiritual lingo in our day. I, I, I mean, I see people that don't even go to church, but yet when you hear them talk, you would think they was a faithful member of a church, but they don't even go because they've learned how to use the lingo, the language, but, but they, don't have a, uh, they don't have an active faith. They have a dead faith, and, and faith without works, the Bible said, is death, is dead. And so I tell you tonight, faith, uh, works do not produce faith, but we know that faith will produce works in our life. But here's the thing. When you get saved and you put your faith in the gospel, then that's how the just live the rest of their life is we live by faith. Paul said, I want to preach the gospel because of the faith of the saints. And then he said, I want to preach the gospel because of the foolishness of sinners. He said in verse number 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I'm going to tell you something. Those that have never seen a gospel track are still without excuse because the God of this world that created this world, the Bible says they're without excuse. Because that they knew not God, they glorified Him not. When they knew not God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful. Do you know that someone that's never heard the gospel, but but looks at creation, and will acknowledge that there's a higher power, that there is a God, and will pray to that God and will seek His face? Do you know that God is big enough to get the gospel to them? Amen. God wouldn't let them go to hell. He would bring the gospel to them. I, I read the story years ago uh, where a missionary went to a tribe that had never heard the gospel, never seen a missionary, had never seen, uh, never seen a Bible. But when he got there and he began to ask them if they believed that there was a God, they said to him, they said, we, we do believe there's a God. And, and said, we, this God that, that you speak about, we believe that not only there's a God, but we believe that this God is three, but yet he is one. That's a trinity, amen? Now, how can people that don't have a Bible know that? And the missionary was interested and said, how could you come to this uh, uh, to this conclusion? And they begin to take an apple and split it open, and and different uh, forms of nature. And what they showed the missionary was that so many things in creation that yet it was one, but yet it had three parts to it. And nature taught them that whoever created that, though it was one, yet there was three. Amen. You know what? They believe that God brought a missionary to them, and they got saved by the grace of God. It knows no limits. It knows no measure. God knows how to get the. Gospel to those that will acknowledge him and those that will trust him. But look at verse 21, the latter part, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God and the image made unto like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. You know what Paul says here? He said, I want to preach the gospel because of the foolishness of sinners. How foolish is it for sinners because they don't want to believe in a babe in a manger that was born of a virgin. They would rather teach their children about a man that lives at the North Pole 
You saw they would rather teach him that he brings gifts, that he has a book that has all their names in it, and that he is uh, omniscient, that he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows when you're good, he knows when you're bad. He, he, and so be good for goodness sake, not God's sake, but for goodness sake. And, uh, and that he doesn't have angels, but he has elves. And, and that he dwells in the north where the Bible says that God dwells. And, and so many things that, that they pattern after. You know why? Because they would rather believe in anything other than just believe that Christ came born of a virgin that he might save sinful men. They would rather celebrate a four-footed beast and a bunny rabbit that lays eggs, uh, uh, colored eggs at that uh, uh, rather than celebrate the resurrection. I'll tell you something, friend. I mean, you ought to sue your brain for non-support if you believe that mess. Amen? And uh, I'm not fussing if you get your kids some eggs, but I'm just telling you this. Uh, isn't it amazing how the world has always got to have a distraction other than the things of God? And they'll look at us and they'll say, you're foolish for believing that Christ rose out of the, from the grave. What you need to do is teach your children about the Easter bunny. I was preaching on that one day and a kid cried out and his mother did too, so I must have broke the hard truth that Santa wasn't real neither was the Easter bunny. Amen. Some of y'all look like you're a little ticked off right now because I said that. Amen. Tell you what I told my kids, same thing my dad told me. I'm not spending my hard-earned money and telling you some fat man in a red suit climbed in and did a break and an entry and gave all that to my kids. Amen. I want to know I bought every bit of it. Amen. Isn't that right? I'm just talking about friend. It's amazing how crazy this world has gotten. The foolishness. I want to preach the gospel because here's why. They cannot see tonight. They're living in darkness and they're blind. And the truth of God's word is what will bring them to the point of salvation. Then Paul said, I want to preach the gospel. I'm ready to preach it because of the filthiness of society. Listen to me tonight. Listen to me. The filthiness of society. When you think about what Paul does tonight, Paul lists, when Paul begins to list in verse number 25, he begins to mention all these things and you can read it when you go to the house. He talks about all the wickedness of society, how that men and women that they did change the natural use to which is against nature and he talks about how in verse 27 and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemingly and receive, uh, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was, uh, was me. I mean the Bible talks about the filthiness and it listed all the way down to verse number 31. Without understanding, covet breakers, without natural affection. Uh, listen, the Bible mentions all of these filthy, ungodly sins to tell us that society without God and society without Christ does not get better, it gets worse. Amen. When you take prayer and Bible, the Bible out of the public school, guess what happens to it? They start shooting up with dope and they start, uh, listen, carrying guns to school. When you take the principles that were taught, they no longer know the Pledge of Allegiance. I remember sitting in a, a class just a few years ago uh, and was sitting in a high school class there with another preacher, an opportunity to share the gospel. And as I was sitting there, he asked how many students know the Pledge of Allegiance. And in a class with about 35 high school students there, two hands were raised that knew the Pledge of Allegiance. Neither one of them could quote it. They had heard it. And I remember when I went to school, we said it every morning. You know what happened every morning when I went to school? We said the Pledge of Allegiance. We had a word of prayer and somebody got a paddling. Every morning. And if you was, if you was, I mean, and if you was a high schooler, you just prayed you wasn't somebody getting a paddling. But you know what? Now, the reason society is so warped, they've taken God out of the equation. 
They don't want anything to do with God. And Paul said it's for that reason. And I would say this to us tonight. I do not want to be this kind of a Christian. Listen to me. Hear me well tonight. I do not want to be this kind of Christian. I do not want to be the kind of Christian that complains about the wickedness of society and never takes the gospel to anybody's doorstep. Friend, the problem today with society is not society itself. It's the church. And I think tonight that if we're not careful, we can become so accustomed to fussing about how bad things are in the world, but, the, but we have the answer. We have the answer. I can't change Washington, but by the help of God, we could change Rossville, couldn't we? And if Rossville got changed, guess what? North Georgia could get changed. And if North Georgia could get changed, hey, other places, you say, well, preacher, I just don't think it's going to happen. That's the problem. We've got to get back to believing God again. Amen? And the best way to do that is not just believe, but be busy preaching the gospel and telling others about Christ. Amen? And Paul said, I'm ready because of the filthiness of society. And then I close with this thought tonight. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Notice verse 32. Because of the fate of sinners. I think verse 32 is probably the most shocking verse of the whole chapter of Romans 1. Because notice what it says. Who knowing, talking about lost people, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Now notice this. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Do you know tonight a sinner? They know tonight, most of them, many of them, know tonight that if you was to knock on their door, some, a lot of people will tell you they're saved, but there are those that are still honest enough to say, I know that by the way that I'm living, I would go to hell. You know, a lot of times when I talk to somebody and I say, if you died today, do you know where you would go? I don't ask them if they're saved. I ask them if they know, if they died today, where would they go? Because a lot of times when you ask people, are you saved? They're going to automatically say yes. If you turn right around and say, okay, well, where would you go if you died right now? Boy, a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, I'd probably go to hell. And I want to tell you tonight, the fate of sinners is that though they're sinning and they know that they're sinning, they continue on in that pleasure knowing that their judgment is coming. And tonight, the only thing that's going to break that barrier is to preach the gospel to them. Preach the gospel. Tonight, if there's anything that I need, I need a greater burden to preach the gospel.